This is this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is fine. This is a poor substitute for therapy, but an excellent substitute for other podcasts. We're not like other podcasts. Join us as we find the answers to the universe's biggest questions like, is butter a carb? Does crying burn calories? And what the fuck am I doing with my life? We're here to be your part-time therapist, astrologer, concierge doctor, and fairy godmother. Do you need someone to validate you today? Cool, cool, cool. Come on in. We're fine. This is fine. Welcome back to our two-part mini-series, Adventures with Antidepressants, with licensed therapist and antidepressant aficionado, Rachel Wright. If you haven't heard the first part of this mini-series, part A, you're going to be missing a lot of context and a lot of really important, really juicy information. So stop right here, pause, maybe leave us a little review and hit the subscribe button in the interim. I don't know, just a thought. And go listen to part A right now. If you're all caught up, bienvenue my little French for the day. I'm so happy you've just joined us for this round, a more personal take on experience with depression treatments in general, including Rachel's own experience with medically supervised ketamine treatment. This is some really crazy, groundbreaking information. You're going to want to hear this. Buckle up, y'all. Okay, Rachel, welcome back, even though this is the same phone call for us. <laughs> so, it's true. Behind the scenes. <laughs> behind the scenes. All right, we're just going straight into it. Part two, Adventures with Antidepressants. Let's jump into some personal experience. Now, in part one, you alluded to certain treatments, psychedelics, that might be able to essentially take the place of a lifetime worth of antidepressants, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Let's let's jump into that. Oh man. Okay. So we're talking personal. Um, I had the worst depressive episode of my life and frankly, one of the worst depressive episodes I've ever seen. Wow. Like if I had been watching myself, I would have said, this is one of the most significant depressive episodes I've ever seen. Holy shit. Uh, um, Yeah. It was really scary. I was essentially catatonic. I could not get up out of bed. Uh, we had a new puppy and I couldn't oh. go on walks with her. Yeah, I was holding her and I remember having the feeling of, I logically am really happy, but yes. I don't feel any joy. Oh my God. That is one of the most relatable sentences. I remember one of my first really bad episodes where I felt like I was emotionally I think I said paralyzed. Like if I were paralyzed from the waist down, I could see my legs and like I can touch them with my hands and feel that they're there, but I can't feel them. And that's how I felt in some of my worst episodes. Like I know I should be happy. I know I, I think I am happy. Like I think this is a thing that makes me happy, but why don't I feel joy? Yes. That's exactly. You're the first person who said that out loud that I can actually relate to. Oh, I'm so glad that resonated. Yeah. I mean, I'm not glad that we both went right. through it, but I'm really, I'm really glad that it resonated. In it together. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, uh, and as someone who has been on an antidepressant of some sort since I was 19 years old and in regular therapy, this was very frustrating and scary. Yeah. And I was really, you know, when when you're feeling hopeless on top of the symptom of thinking about suicide all the time. Yeah. It's not a good combination. And I had to have like a babysitter essentially. I I had to have someone with me all the time because while I knew I did not want to hurt myself, I also knew that I wanted to eat and I couldn't. Yeah. So 
it, it didn't, it felt very scary to be alone. And that's um, even more painful because you're like aware of all of that at the same time. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So my, I had, <laughs> I had gotten off of the effectsor and my psychiatrist was like, let's start you on Wellbutrin. I think that mm-hmm. that will help this. And let's just see what happens. And I was like, okay, whatever, I'll try it. And I tried it, waiting, waiting, waiting. Long story short, like weeks went by and there was not an uptick at all. Wow. At all. I was, it felt like I was taking sugar pills. Oh my God. This just speaks to the the personalization of mental health care because that was my, like, I feel like an a-hole for saying this, but my onboarding was like, I took it and I was like, I think I'm better. (laughs) Yeah. And it was well be trend. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yeah. And like, so that's it's so personal. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So personal. So nothing's so happening. <laughs> I'm get, yeah. I'm just like not well. And I finally email my psychiatrist and my therapist. And I'm like, this is, I, I can't, I literally can't go on another day like this. Yeah. You know, are either of you familiar with any alternative treatments? And like, would you recommend it? it I, I, like I had Dude. read about them clinically. Yeah. And they both wrote back and were like, yes, actually, here is wow. my psychiatrist was like, here is a ketamine clinic wow. in New York uh, that I highly recommend. And I have seen a few clients have very, very good results. Why don't you call them, do an intake and see if you are a good candidate for it. So that same day, I call the clinic, I leave a message, they call me back, they do an intake over the phone. Whoa. And the woman tells me, not only am I a perfect candidate, but that if I were will if I go in and follow their protocol, that there is a basically like a ninety five percent chance that I will never experience a depressive episode again. Holy shit, dude! Yeah. Oh my and god. And I just started blubbering. Yeah. Like it was the first time that I felt hope. actual hope. Yeah. And oh it, my! I just got chills literally all over my body. It was, I'll never forget that moment. I'll never forget that moment. And so I wound up going in. I followed their protocol. um, And with after the very first treatment, the suicidal ideation completely went away. Wow. Like disappeared. Like as though my brain was like, why would you ever think about that? Yeah. (laughs) Like gone. You silly goose. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, wow. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. And just gone. And then after, so like after the protocol and after um, a booster a couple days later, I was back to work. I did not feel any sort of depression at all. Um, and then how it works is that when you feel, or when I feel any sort of symptoms come back, I immediately call them. They get me in within two days. I get a booster of an infusion of ketamine in the office and the time between boosters continues to go down until after one or two years, you no longer go in. Okay, so you're like little by little bit by little bit, and those kind of appointments spread out over time, and then eventually you're good. Yeah. So, for example, Damn. my first booster was two weeks okay. after my last treatment, and then the booster after that was eight weeks. Okay. Wow. After. Okay. Yeah. 
So like it just continues to go and go. And like right now, I think we're in week seven. So I I like put a note on my calendar, you know, around week eight to just say like, you're at week eight, like just to like note, this is where we were the last time. Take some mental Um, inventory. (laughs) Yep, exactly. Like check in. Uh, but yeah, we'll see how long, how long it goes. And I, I have never felt better. I mean, I, my resilience feels stronger. And the way that this works very generally speaking is if you grow up with any sort of trauma as a kid, which like, (laughs) LOL, everyone. (laughs) Um, When the doctor said that, I was like, uh, so everybody, every person. (laughs) Uh, So if you had any trauma as a kid, what happens is cortisol, the stress hormone gets released in your brain. And the more stressful your life was as a child, the more cortisol is released. (laughs) And when your brain, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) when your brain is like floating around in cortisol, yeah, just taking a nice bath, marinating. Uh huh. Uh huh. It suppresses the growth of dendrites on your neurons. Yeah. I actually know what that is from my like four minutes as a neuroscience major. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. Uh, So the ketamine regrows the dendrites. Holy shit. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. So there's got to be like clinical studies on this, right? Oh, yeah. Tons. Tons and tons. Um, And the the doctor was so funny. He was like... I don't consider this a ketamine clinic. I mean, it is a ketamine clinic, but I consider it a dendrite farm. Wow. <laughs> and and I, I was like, this is really funny. Wow. Um, yeah. And so it has been a literal game changer. It has saved my life. Um, I cannot speak more highly of it. Wow. Okay, yeah. so I obviously have so many questions <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because my brain is going nuts right now. I'm like, give I'm me, sure. Give me those dendrites. Um, <laughs> so, okay, in the spirit of informed consent, our favorite thing, is there anyone who it wouldn't work for? Do you know? Um, I don't actually. Okay. I, this would be, and you, I would love for you to have like an expert. Yeah, same. In, uh, in this on because they gotta would be probably the next be able to answer that. Yeah. yeah. I do know that like, if you're just simply experiencing kind of like the, the temporary thing that we were talking about. Circumstantial. Yes. Yeah. That's probably not, this isn't like a quick fix for something that happened recently. This isn't like an IV bar when you're hungover. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Even though it is an An IV IV bar. (laughs) You do go in for an hour and then leave and feel better. Wow. Um, Yeah. It's, uh, I would say that with my limited knowledge, that's what I would say is a no, is a no-go. Okay, cool. Um, are there side effects and risks that you know of? The side effects are nausea, headache, and um, tiredness afterwards. Okay. So like just uh, right after a treatment? Yep. Okay. And what they do is to mitigate these in in the IV bag with the saline and the ketamine, okay. they put Zofran, which is an anti-nausea medication. Oh, right. Yeah. And yeah. Uh-huh. And then they put Toradol, which is just an NSAID. It's like Advil, okay. um, but intravenously. And that helps with the headache. And so you don't get nauseous. Amazing. And yeah, yeah. So okay. those are the primary side effects. Okay, so good to know. It's not like, you know, with Wellbutrin, for example, for the first like six months that I was on it, I had a suppressed appetite, right? Like it's not, it actually is like off-label used for weight management, I guess, like prescription yeah. weight management. Yeah. Um, so it's not like you're going in for these treatments and then you have longer-term side effects. Correct. Okay. Correct. So 
Ketamine is also obviously known as a recreational drug. For people who only know it in that context, how would you, you're so good at reframing stuff for people. Mm -hmm. How would you reframe this? Um, Anything can be a recreational drug. (laughs) If you try hard and believe in yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, people take clonopin, which is a benzodiazepine and a prescription for panic disorder and anxiety. People take it all the time recreationally. True. Xanax, Um, same. Yep, exactly. And that's also benzodiazepine. Mm -hmm. Um, Tons and tons and tons of drugs are abused recreationally. Now, a lot of people who use ketamine recreationally, surprise, surprise, <laughs> are also diagnosed with anxiety and depression. Oh. And they feel so much better. Oh, because they get that relief, but they're doing maybe too much, I guess, at once. Yeah, Toxic yeah, dose? Or not, not like um, consistently enough mm, and not okay. like accurate dosing and et cetera, et cetera. So, Ketamine sounds scary because we hear, you know, special K and like a (laughs) K-hole and the amount of ketamine that you need to be in a K-hole is outrageous. Okay. Um, Yeah. Like what's the dose for this? So they start you depending on your body weight and history. They start you at around, my experience was around between 20 and 30 milligrams. Okay. Which sounds Um, really little to me. It is. Uh, a, a recreational dose is between 50 and 80 milligrams. Okay. okay. I am now up to 80 milligrams when mm. I go in. <laughs> so you could say like, oh, but then why don't you just do drugs at home? Well, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> this administered by a medical staff yeah. in a medical office and you are, you know, you have an emergency button. Yeah. Like, and they, they watch you. It's just, it's wonderful. Um, so I would reframe it as, everything, everything in our lives can be abused or right. used well. Yeah. Food, alcohol, yep. pot. Water computer, is toxic at the wrong dose. Water, <laughs> yeah, yep, exactly. Like everything can be not good for you Yeah, if it's not the right time or the right dosage or the right context, like whatever it is. So this is not about going and getting high. Right. I was I was going to ask, like, I know you feel relief from depression, which in and of itself feels like a high, but do you feel high on top of that? Yeah. So there is a trip aspect oriented, like right. associated with it. Um, when you get to a certain level, you do have like a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a trip. Okay. Like um, a psychedelic experience. Yep. Yep. Okay. And it, they have an, a button that you can literally press if things feel very uncomfortable. Okay. Um, and they will take the IV out and like within two minutes, you're done. Like oh, you're back. Back to earth. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and you can bring someone with you because of the the gradual way that they build up. I never felt so uncomfortable that I didn't like it. Okay. And I'm not like a big drug. I've never done acid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've never, you know, I, I micro dose shrooms, but I've never yeah. done like a giant dose to, to hallucinate. Yeah. I feel like microdosing um, shrooms is the new, like having a glass of Cabernet in the evening. <laughs> it, it is. It really is. And it's like very lovely and it helps your brain focus and be social and it's wonderful. I should check it um, out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We could talk about that. Another yeah. Time. Another, another story uh, for another day. So yeah, like technically you do trip. It's a, at a certain point, but like 
that's not why you go and you wouldn't right. be paying this amount of money. Oh yeah, I was <laughs> to gonna just ask. Go, yeah. yeah so it's it's not covered by insurance because okay. of where we are in research and right insurance because of course sucks. Yeah, yes, <laughs> and it's not cheap. It is less expensive than I thought it was going to be. Okay, but I have a pretty skewed view. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it varies by city by city. It varies uh, office by office. But I would say anywhere between three and 700 a session. Oh, is See, what I, I probably have a skewed view, too. I thought you were going to say thousand. Right. I know <laughs> that that was me, too. So, yeah. But the thing is, you have to go. The, the very first protocol is six times within 12 days oh, is wow. what I did. Okay. So, like. When you look at that, like the upfront cost is a little bit higher. So 1800-ish, um, like on the low end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think mine wound up being like 2800 Okay. after those. But, you know, for to not feel suicidal yeah. and to Take potentially... Take <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I will figure it out. Um, so yeah, yeah. That was my experience. Would you recommend, I mean, obviously, again, we're not giving medical advice and I don't want people to like run out and expect to have, <laughs> you know, a duplicate experience, yeah. but would you recommend psychotherapy, talk therapy in conjunction with something like this? Yes. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yes, similar to uh, antidepressants. Yeah. It's one thing to fix the the structure of the brain. It's one thing to fix the chemicals in the brain how you think every single day and what you do with your emotions every single day doesn't change because of a drug. Yeah. That is therapy. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So this is in conjunction. Yes. I am going to run out immediately and book something. <laughs> I'm really interested. So you haven't been on any other kind of antidepressant medication since you started. No. So they, they kept me on my Wellbutrin, which was not helping because okay. they didn't want to adjust anything as uh, this was going on. Okay. Yeah. Control and group as much as possible. Exactly. Yeah. And my psychiatrist now is like, are you having any side effects? And I'm like, no. And she's like, okay, you're doing really well. Like, let's just not mess with anything. <laughs> mess with and like, we thing. can like readdress this later if you feel like you want to get off of it. Okay. But I, yeah, I don't think it's like doing anything. Yeah, but, uh, but you're still but, technically yeah. Team Wellie B. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know so many people on Wellbutrin, including myself, which is, Same. yeah, it's it's very commonly prescribed now, I think. Yeah. For me, it, it was, you know, pretty immediate. I, I joked in the last episode that I was like, oh, I'm having a dopamine recession. And I said that to my, he was both my psychotherapist and psychiatrist, which is very uncommon, I think. But my personal experience with it, I trusted him because I had seen him since like 2015 and I was referred to him by an LMFT who was like, you need, you know, Xanax and antidepressants. And the way that she had framed it was like, we just need you to give you a little leg up while we are doing this talk therapy. And I go to meet this guy and I figured, you know, this is in and out. I'm just getting a prescription. He was like, I just met you. I'm not going to prescribe something. I need to get to know your case more. And I was like, oh, you're you're the new person now. <laughs> you're the captain now. He knew me for years before prescribing something. At that point, I really trusted that, you know, he could have prescribed me something from day one. And honestly, I, I don't know if they profit from it or what. Like, I just feel like that could have been really easy for him and, you know, just send me on my way. Um, yeah. But knowing that that point 
he was like, okay, I think it's time to explore this. I, I had a lot of trust in it, even though I was like, I guess a little apprehensive, trepidatious. We hadn't fully started talking about this publicly yet. Like it was less in the cultural vernacular. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. That, that one for me worked pretty immediately and uh, has been consistent, but it's so wild to hear about like the sugar pill experience. It really is just such a case-by-case thing. Yep. So, so, so case by case. Yeah. Like, truly. So that makes me think like, yeah, I, I got to talk to someone from Team Ketamine <laughs> and see like, hey, does this not work for some people? You know, because my least favorite thing is when, you know, I'm trying to copy someone's exact health routine or something that they're doing and I don't have the same effect. And I guess that's, you know, part of informed consent is, you know, there's not one universal treatment for everyone, but this could be, this sounds like it could be absolutely life-changing for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. It really, really, really is. It's unreal. Wow. I never thought that you and I would just be sitting on a podcast talking about ketamine. Right? Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, trust me, this is the uh, same. Very, also same. Very unique scenario. It's fine. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> I wonder what the initial, you, do you know anything about like the history of ketamine? Like its initial purpose? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's an anesthetic okay. uh, that's used on humans. Like when you get your wisdom teeth pulled out, if you go into the quote unquote twilight, oh. uh, you that's typically ketamine. Interesting. Um, additionally, it's used in veterinarian right. settings. It's like a horse tranquilizer. Uh, correct. In, oh, okay. In very large doses, yes. Yes, like very large doses. Okay. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. But also yeah. regrowing dendrites. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Rachel, this is like really mind-blowing, earth-shattering information. And the fact that you were able to share such a vulnerable and personal story, unbelievably grateful for your time, your openness, and sharing something that's going to impact so many people's lives. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to share. How awesome is Rachel, you guys? Like she said, you can find more information and education on her Instagram and TikTok. The right underscore Rachel, that's T-H-E-W-R-I-G-H-T underscore R-A-C-H-E-L. You can also find her brand new podcast, The Right Conversations. That's again, right with a W. Anywhere podcasts are available. We'd love to hear what you thought of today's episode and of the whole Adventures with Antidepressants mini series. Send us an email. I'm fine. I-M-F-I-N-E, all one word, no apostrophe, at thisisfinepodcast.com. Thanks so much for joining today and we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of This Is Fine. I've been your host, Dominique Michelle Astorino. We're based in San Diego, recording in studio at DLI Productions in Pacific Beach with Emmy Award-winning sound designer, Dan De La Isla. This is a comedy and advice podcast, but for legal reasons, this entire podcast is a joke and none of it is medical advice. To download a transcript or learn more, visit thisisfinepodcast.com. 